You're listening to another episode of the Young Investors Podcast, so sit back and relax as myself, Brandon, and my buddy Hamish discuss the latest in the world of finance and stock market investing. Now, a quick reminder before we get into the podcast is that nothing in this podcast should be taken on as personal financial advice. If you're ever unsure about your finances or investing and you need some help, make sure you reach out to a qualified financial advisor. But with all that said, let's get into another episode of the Young Investors Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to the Young Investors Podcast. Hamish, what's cracking where you are down in Melbourne? What's going on, mate? Uh, not much. Same old, same been old up this much? week. No, not really. I um, Yeah, we were just talking off the air how I've I, I've kind of been super burnt out this week, which happens from, from time to time with what we do. We kind of go through these yeah. like periods of like last week was just absolutely insane. Um, mm. from like a, a view perspective. So it, it kind of creates like a really hyped week. And then there just tends to be like, at least in my experience, like kind of a week where I just have no energy to do anything. So that's what I'm kind of going Fair. through. But that's okay. Uh, I'm not complaining. And uh, it's a good you opportunity. You get on a roll, don't you? Yeah. And then you just push, 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 push. And then after it, you're like, uh. <laughs> yeah. And it's a good opportunity to kind of reflect on on where things are going. And, you know, it's not a bad thing to take easy weeks i think people who are just who just stress like you should never you need to be you know 100 percent all the time and never stop that just doesn't t- at least for me that never works it works for yeah. periods of time i think it's good to be ex- try and be extremely disciplined but there's always periods where you need to take a break or else you end up mm. doing more damage than um yeah, I have a you real know. problem with that kind of hustle culture in a way. And I have I think Nate O'Brien made a good video on it r- semi-recently where, like, for example, I was trying to battle through writing the rest of this script, right? And I was just getting nowhere, but I was just like, come on, keep going, keep going. It's like late afternoon and I was just tapping away, really just getting nothing done, trying to force myself. Mm. And I was like, you know, I, I just this is going nowhere. I'm so tired. I can't concentrate. So I was just like, instead of pushing myself, I just went home. I decided I'd come in early to work the next day. I got here like an hour early. And in that one hour, I got like the whole rest of the video done. Yeah. I woke up, I was fresh. I was concentrating. I'd had some breakfast on. I was just like, done. And I was like, how was that so hard for me yesterday? Yeah. I think especially with creative work, it's, you just can't, sometimes you just can't push through it by just trying to force yourself. No, you, can't force you need it, yeah. you need to be in like a, the right mindset and that means maybe just trying to do something different that day and then coming back to it in even if it's like 15 minutes. It, I find mm. like having a 15 minute break or just doing something mindless for 15 minutes, like checking mm. emails or whatever, doing receipts for your invoices or whatever, anything like that, just something mindless and then coming back tends to yep. help with especially the creative work, I think so. Yeah, yeah. It, it is like that though. <laughs> it, it's rare that I actually sit down and do a script in one sitting. I don't think I've I don't think I've done that in a very long time. Like I'll yeah. usually do pockets of it um, in moments mm. of kind of inspiration because you want it to be good as well. You don't want to just force it out yeah. and then it's just absolute rubbish. Um, what I do if I'm on a roll, like if I'm really on a roll, I'll just verbal diarrhea. I'll like write a mm. whole script. It'll be trash, but I'll just write the whole thing because I'm like on. A, I know the points that I want to cover, and I want to talk about that. Then I want to talk about that. This is my thoughts, but I won't include like statistics or data or facts. I'll just be like, this is how I see the video going. I want to talk about that, 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 and I'll just verbal diarrhea, and then I'll have a break, then come back to it. And then turn that into something yeah, that's really yeah. nice and polished with all my stats and figures and stuff I want to talk about and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. It is an interesting process. And I'm sure most people probably don't even think twice about it when watching a YouTube video, like kind of what mm. goes into it. And I'm, I'm not saying you, your content is certainly much more involved than, than mine, for example. But even content- It is now. It, but, yeah. But I yeah. mean, even for any kind of content, you might watch my content and think, oh, well, that's just such a relaxed video. But there actually is so much thought that goes into even simple mm. videos, what graphics you're putting on screen, what jokes you might make, even though some of them will yeah. be kind of off the cuff. Some of them will be planned jokes that you thought of throughout the day. It's, it's, uh, it is an interesting creative process. Mm. And it's like sometimes I'll get a comment on my video, which will just be like, Oh, you know, we'll be talking about some bit of news. It'll be like, oh, Brandon, you're a bit late to the party. You know, other other YouTubers have already put out their videos on this, mate. You're last <laughs> or, or whatever it might be. And I'm like, yeah, but watch their video 
and then watch my video. It's like yeah. one of these videos has been polished for a week. Yeah. One of them was made in two hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah. You, yeah. Right. Your content's been so good recently because you, I think you're posting like- Claude's one, doing a ripper job. Yeah. You guys are doing amazing stuff, like posting one a week. And as I've said to you off air, like I- before your, you you um, had your editor and doing once per week, I probably didn't watch all of your content just because you're putting out maybe two, three videos a week. Yeah. But with one video a week and knowing it's going to be super polished, I always watch it now. And I think I feel like a lot oh, of people cheers, kind mate. of resonate with that. So, yeah, it's been I good. Guys, it. if you haven't heard, um, Brandon has a channel. It's called New New Money. Is that what it's called? Do you want to? Uh, it's called uh, Fresh Dollars. Fresh Dollars on, um, on where where is it hosted on? Vimeo? Like, um, what, um, yeah. <laughs> Vimeo. What the hell? <laughs> Vimeo. Uh, <coughs> yeah, that's exactly where it is. Fresh dollars on Vimeo. Go give me a follow. There you go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. What have we got? Dear, oh dear. Yeah, what have we got today? Hey, we, uh, yeah. we, uh, we're going to break our, our streak of not talking about inflation. Yeah. What was our streak again? Um, uh, one, one week. One week. Yeah. Okay. And we did actually <laughs> speak about it last week for a couple minutes. No, we, do, we only mentioned mentioned it that we were not <laughs> going to talk about it. So yeah. that doesn't count. Okay. So we got we're talking about Fed minutes. Uh we're talking about Australia RBA interest rate hikes. Uh you're talking about GameStop. I'm talking about some uh auto sales in China, which is more interesting than you might expect. Uh Apple's introduced this interesting new feature on iPhones. Uh and I found this really interesting article about uh, I'll ju- I'll just I'll just save it, you know. I'll just Ooh, okay. I don't want to spoil it. Teasing I, I don't it out. Spoil it. It's, it's about it's about air travel, but we'll, we'll get to that later. All right, we'll get to that later. Well, anyway. with all of that said, today's episode is sponsored by ShareSite, which is an application you can use to track the performance of your stock portfolio. So you can bring in all of your trades either automatically by connecting your broker, uh, or you can add them one by one, or using Excel. And once you do that, it will track all of the gains and losses in your portfolio. So capital gains, dividends. If you have dividend reinvestment plans on index funds or individual businesses, it will track all of those uh, you know, conversions for you, which is fantastic. Uh, and then also currency gains. Uh, if you're buying shares internationally or you hold foreign currencies, that's a big one at the moment uh, with changes in federal funds rates that uh, changes the relative strength of, of currencies against each other. And that can have a significant impact on your actual real return. So tracking that uh, is very, very difficult to do without something like ShareSite. And then you can also use it for when it comes to tax time. So ShareSite generates up to 12 different reports that can be used to track the performance of your business, uh, as well as use the tax time to, sorry, track the performance of your portfolio, as well as use the tax time to work out things such as capital gains, dividend income, and more. Uh, at the moment, you can try ShareSite for free by heading over to sharesite.com forward slash young investors. That's site spot S-I-G-H-T, sharesite.com forward slash young investors. Use that link, get four months, uh, use that link, sign up to a free plan for as long as you want. You can track up to 10 holdings, uh, or you can also use that link to get a get more premium features on a premium plan, and you'll get four months off a yearly subscription if you do. So go check it out. And thanks to everyone who's used that link and is supporting the podcast. Kind of stumbled through that a little bit this morning. That's all right. I was just looking at your channel. That is your video now is 250,000 views. <laughs> How insane. And then, then 93 yeah. and then 107. I didn't realize they'd pop that much yeah. in such a short time. And, then, and then up from give the numbers on the, the few before that. Like what, what was it? Like, like five. Yeah, like rough average of five. Yeah, over the past, th- it's, it, crazy. it's complete insanity. So yeah, um, that's so good. Yeah, now I've just clearly got to, now I've got to back it up. It's so interesting <laughs> how uh, we actually we won't talk about this because we spoke about it last, but it is interesting how Michael Burry is like the topic at the moment. But yeah. we did speak about that last week, so we won't cover it now. Yeah. Um, all right, what are we talking about? Um, I guess. Tell, can you tell tell me what's going on with the Fed? I saw the headlines, yeah. but I honestly I didn't look into it yet. Um. What 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 happened? Yeah, so the the news this week is just we have the 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 June federal meeting minutes was released. So the the minutes is the summary of oh, the right. um of the Fed meeting that happened in June. So this is kind of old news, but it's it's not. It gets released quite late. Uh, I think right. six weeks after it, it happens or something like that. Next week will be kind of the, the big headline numbers, which I'll, I'll talk about in a second. Um, so, kind of like it adds a little bit more flavor to the action that was taken after the meeting. Is it, that correct? Yeah, we just get more of an insight on what they actually spoke about in the meeting okay. compared to what they say publicly, essentially, which both of them tend right. to line up, but you get more of an insight on the what the what the officials at the at the meeting were were thinking and may talk about or may act on 
in following meetings and, and that sort of thing. So, um, essentially, officials at this meeting uh, emphasised uh, the need to fight inflation, even if it meant slowing the economy uh, that already that already appears to be on the brink of a recession. So that's nothing kind of really new there. Members said that the July meeting would likely also see a 50 or 75 basis point move, uh, which is, of course, on top of the 75 basis point move that uh, happened in June. And they said they will continue to do so until inflation gets close to their 2% long run target. So, again, it's just more fleshing out of, you know, kind of what we knew. Uh, And on the note of uh, being on the brink of a recession, uh, if you actually look at the Atlanta Fed data, they have a tracker for kind of ongoing um, GDP in Atlanta. Uh, that's showing that GDP is likely to be on pace to decline 2.1% in the second quarter. So we've had Q1 data, which was negative 1.7 or something in that range, I think. Uh, and if this quarter, of course, that we're in or we just finished, that we'll get data for soon. Uh, if that actually does decline 2%, then the US would, of course, officially be in recession Don't which say is it. what everyone sorry you, the US oh. will be um will will um will, will be in recession we'll um, be we'll ha- yeah we'll, yeah <laughs> get your clickbait <clears throat> ready hamish here we go <laughs> recession <laughs> michael burry was right <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh it's so sad you know watch Watch it happen. I'm going to call it. Watch it happen on your YouTube feed. Mm. As soon as that data- So, do we know when that data actually is yes. like officially released? we do. So, it'll be the 28th of July is when they give- uh, What do they call it? It was kind of an estimated GDP number. So, it's not the official one, okay. but that's kind of the- That's what we, we use as- uh, Watch when yeah. that comes out. Your whole subscription box will be filled with videos that contain the word recession. Yeah. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah. It's crazy. It's such... And this is just like a little bit of flavor. On the YouTube analytics that we get, a very highly searched term and a very clickable term is recession. So, you can Mm. guarantee as soon as it happens, there will be videos with the title blah, 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 recession. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I mean, it makes perfect sense. It's interesting to people in finance, which is our core audience, but it's also interesting to mm. anybody who has no clue about finance, who sees the news and, oh, the US is in recession. What does that mean for yep. me? US recession on YouTube. And that you're getting, you're capturing an audience that is not in the finance, you know, not obsessing over finance. So, it makes perfect yep. sense why it works. Um, but yep. yeah, it's- uh, Just fear, fear mongering, click, fear, click, fear, yeah. click. 20, 28th of July. Yeah. So you'll you'll see my video scheduled for that. <laughs> Imagine just scheduling scheduling two different videos. The US is in recession. The US narrowly escapes recession. <laughs> you just have- yeah. Which one am I gonna <laughs> <laughs> or, or doing or doing the same video, one titled The US is in a recession, hmm. or the other one saying the US GDP falls for the second quarter. <laughs> so it's like which which one I guarantee that that would you wouldn't even have to run that experiment. No, no, would win every yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, yeah, also from the meeting, the Fed lowered their GDP expectation for 2022. So they've lowered it uh, to 1.7 percent growth, down from the 2.8 percent that they had estimated uh, in March. So continuing to kind of lower their expectations. Uh, and on the flip side, they also updated their inflation target for 2022. Um, so the personal consumption expenditure is now expected to be 5.2% up from 4.3%, hey. which was previously expected. Uh, and just to give you a, a window into that, it's currently 6.2%, which is the personal consumption expenditure different to uh, the CPI, but another good measure of, of consumer level inflation. Um, so they've updated the targets. They're, they're creeping you know, higher as we've, we've spoken about. They just continue to raise the bar. You know, it's not really a forecast. It's kind of a, it, it, they're, they're, they're changing it in reaction to actual high inflation. Um, mm. So, it's not, it's kind of funny to call that a, a forecast, <laughs> no. but it is what it is. Um, and We've been calling them out on that for a while now. Yeah. Uh, look, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's the name of the game. I mean, they don't want to, I don't know. I just, I, I guess this is how- spook people or something, but- Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it, like if you make a prediction that's obviously not going to be correct, then why bother making it in the first place? Yeah, you know? yeah, and that's the point I've been making. They've they've just been consistently wrong um, mm. for so long, um, and it looks like they'll never be wrong on the upside of it. They're always wrong on the downside by quite a few percent. Uh, yeah. Typically, with estimations, you would expect them to be wrong on the downside and then overshoot on the upside. 
and then kind of oscillate between being over pessimistic mm. and under and, and optimistic. But um, yeah, they just tend to continue to be behind. But next week is where the uh, big kind of uh, talk around uh, the Fed and inflation will be. We get inflation data for June, which will be a big one. Is inflation continuing to rise above the, what was it, 8.6% yeah, I think that was so, recorded yeah. last month? So, will we see that continue to expand? Uh, and then the Fed also has their meeting next Tuesday, I believe, or Wednesday uh, for Australians, uh, which is where they will hike. Um, they're definitely going to hike rates. It's just a matter of is it 0.5, is it 0.75, or is it actually something worse? We don't know. We will uh, We will wait and see. Um, do the full percentage point. Yeah. I, do it. Well, yeah, do they? I, I think they indicated. So, yeah, so- Powell a couple a couple of weeks ago said that it wasn't off the table, but he tends oh, really? to he tends to say well throughout this year. So he tends to say that uh, a couple of months before uh, that kind of hike has happened. So he said that with 0.75 hikes, it was it was a couple of meetings before we ended up actually seeing one. Um, so you know that mm. kind of gives you an indication. Of, I, I I think it would be unlikely to see a one percentage yeah, so. increase unless inflation is absolutely spiraling out of control um which uh yeah we'll, we'll see we'll, we'll see what happens we'll, we'll save guess that we'll next find week. out yeah should we just continue on with uh fun uh central bank news uh, <laughs> or do you yes. want to do you want to take it somewhere else no no let's we're, we're in the zone now we're yeah in the zone uh this is another just a little one this one's out of australia of course um reserve bank of australia has raised interest rates this week, uh, they did a 50 basis point hike, so 0.5% hike, uh, raising the official cash rate, which is our federal funds rate equivalent, uh, to 1.35%. Uh, so, mm. uh, pretty significant rise there. Uh, second quarter inflation, so Australia does quarterly inflation, not monthly, um, mm. is expected to come later this month and is expected to be over 6%. So, our inflation has been relatively quite a bit lower than the US and, and even the yeah. UK and and the EU. Um, so, we've been somewhat shielded from it, but not- um, I think it was like 5% I moment. think it was like 5.4, I want to say. Yeah. It's hard, to, it's like hard to keep track with all these, <laughs> all these single digit yeah. percentages. EU, UK, US, Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, Yeah, it is kind of confusing. But yeah, so around 5% and I think it's expected to rise to 6. So, but obviously, that's considerably above the the- one to two to three yeah. percent rate that uh, is expected. Um, yep. The RBA governor Philip Lowe said in a statement, "The board expects to take further steps in the process of normalising monetary conditions in Australia over the months ahead." Uh, and the markets uh, are pricing for another half point hike in August and rates reaching at least three percent uh, by the end of the year. So Australia, similar to the US, were pretty much on par for where interest rates are expected to be by the end of the year. But as we know, um, expectations change quickly so you know take that with a, a very very large pinch of salt um uh big four banks what do you reckon they did do you reckon they passed it on the uh rate no hike? no they would never do that yeah well they, they did it last time so They're you would nice think guys. they'd have a month off give everyone a break you know no, of course they would have passed it on, yeah. surely. So they? They, yep, so they passed on uh, just last night. So it was a couple of days after the meeting. They passed on the full 50 basis points to very yep. variable mortgage uh, holders. Uh, and the hikes mm-hmm. this uh, thus far this year uh, have added around for a, a mortgage of 620,000 uh, Australian dollars have added $400 a month in repayments, the increases in uh, in rate hikes in Australia this year. So, um, it's quite significant, really. Yeah, and that is a big mortgage, obviously. I think it's, as you said a couple of weeks ago, that's much higher than the average mortgage in Australia. But um, yeah, that's a, it's a considerable hike. And um, we're, we're, yeah, we're, we're at 1.35%, which mm. is, you know, in the scheme of, of things over the last century of interest rates, uh, that's, that's relatively low, so- Pretty low. Uh, does kind of put yeah. it in perspective, but there you go. And then you've got a, you've got a public service announcement. I do. On top of this for, just, for Victorians. Just for Victorians. So, just to segment out um, us uh, Melburnians and other Victorians here, um, essentially- oh, and Marty. Oh, yeah. I live in Melbourne. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. The best, best city in the What'd world. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Avo toast. What did I have for breakfast? Yeah, something. Smashed avo. Yeah, with um, with like 
um, gold flakes on top, like sprinkled oh, on top. Yep. Yeah, you yep. can only get them here. Yeah, they give them out for mm. yeah for, for free because <laughs> we're just awesome. So yeah, <laughs> um, classic. No, but um, yeah, I'm sure probably most people in Victoria know this. Um, but uh, you can now access a $250 rebate on your energy bills. Um, so essentially, there's a $250 power saving bonus, which is a one time payment for Victorian households to help ease the cost of living pressures. So. Super, super easy thing to do. If you're not aware, you just head over to compare.energy.vic.gov.au or just search compare energy or the 250 power rebate on Google and you'll be able to find it. And essentially, all you have to do is go through this two-minute application form and it will essentially show you uh, competitive rates for your for your electricity and gas. Um, and you don't even need to switch. You just have to go through the application to see the offers uh, and you can get your rebate. So um, super bad. easy so you're to essentially do. Getting, you're essentially getting paid to go and compare to make sure you're not getting screwed over. Yeah. And the idea here is is good. It's that, you know, it's likely energy is one of those markets where people kind of, uh, uh, they don't really, people don't check that and change their providers very often and, and companies True. take advantage of that. They raise prices up. Um, so it gives you the opportunity to check. You don't have to change, but you might see the comparisons and be like, wow, um, my company has uh, not been not been doing too well. Also, you can use our affiliate link down in the description. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like that. Yeah. Did you know? Very simple. Two minutes sign up, and you can get two hundred. <laughs> it does sound like an affiliate <laughs> thing. Oh dear. You no, get two hundred and fifty. S- we get two hundred and fifty. It's a great deal. <laughs> oh my god, that would be great. Yeah, I might, maybe I'll reach out to the uh, to the Andrews <laughs> government and. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, good old Dan. No, so there you go. So go go do it. Take literally took me, I think, two minutes. So yeah. just go and do it. If if um if your name's Still on your Melbourne, bill, so yeah, go get two hundred and fifty bucks, go. just like that. Yeah, and then sign up to ShareSite. Exactly, with our actual affiliate <laughs> link. <laughs> um, all right, there you go. Uh, that's uh, that's a lot of talking from you, Hamish. So yes. a lot of macro stuff to follow, and more to come. Um, should I talk about, uh, we should probably talk about this. GM reports worst sales in China since the COVID lockdown. Wow. Yeah. Pretty brutal. Um, so General Motors on Wednesday reported its worst quarterly sales in China since the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic amid a resurgence of COVID-19 cases in the country and ongoing global supply chain problems. The Detroit automaker said it sold uh, 484,200 vehicles from April through June in China, its largest market globally. Do you know that? No, I didn't know that. For GM. Wow. I did not know that either. Um, so there you go. <clears throat> sales were down. I guess that's why it's making big news as well, because it's like they have their biggest <laughs> their core market. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> sales were down 35.5% from a year earlier and the lowest since uh, 461,700 deliveries during the first quarter of 2020 when the government, uh, when government COVID restrictions brought uh, China's production to a standstill. Right. Uh, GM sales in China include those through joint ventures and its well-known Buick, Cadillac, and Chevrolet brands, all of which experienced significant declines of roughly 22 to, uh, of between roughly 22 and 79% big range. <clears throat> so there you go. Uh, GM's second quarter sales in China follow the automaker on Friday reporting a 15.4% decline in its US sales. Right, okay. That time so they're trying to so- businesses seeing quite a worse situation. I guess, yeah, as you mentioned, a big part of that's probably in relation to the to the much more severe lockdowns that are going on, all the, the lockdowns that are going yep. on in, in China um, that are not going on in other parts of the world. So, um, that, is, uh, exactly right. that is interesting. And then, yeah, I mean, look, auto, the auto industry is just going to be one of those industries that's going to get hit quite hard. A lot of people finance their auto purchases. So, uh, as interest rates rise, that's going to become more expensive. And it's also, for most people, a relatively discretionary expenditure yep. that people can put off for a few years uh, if uh, if things are, are not great in the money department. So, yeah, I mean, it, it just this makes sense. This is like probably one of the toughest times you could go through as an automaker for a special, like you've got rates going up. There's supply chain issues for uh, for for semiconductor chips, 
And if you have manufacturing in China, it's like all of those three things, like just the sheer manufacturing, like people couldn't go to work, they're in lockdown. So it's like you've got three big things that are like stacking on top of one another. Yeah. Which is a very, very difficult spot to be in. But I thought I'd chuck this in there because it does show like how, just how much businesses can be affected by, you know, just like a government saying, all right, we're locking down for X amount of time. It was like really bad. And in related news, actually, because <clears throat> we've just ticked over the end of the quarter, um, we have Tesla announcing their Q2 delivery numbers. Uh, and you know how the, the, it's kind of been like record delivery numbers, record delivery, record, 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 like as we go, because they continually to just slightly improve. Yeah. Uh, this time around, it was not a record quarter wow. for deliveries. In fact, it was quite the opposite. Uh, quarterly delivery record was 310,000 cars delivered in the quarter. That was in Q1 of this year. Uh, and then this quarter, they did uh, 254,695 deliveries total. Wow. So quite a significant drop off, 55,000-ish less deliveries. So don't know what that is in percentages, but it's quite a bit. Yeah, that's um, um, that's a lot. What's that, like 15% or something like that? That's pretty – that's kind of crazy. Um, it's quite substantial. Wow. Yep. And um, look, yeah, I mean, that makes it makes sense. It's not like it's anything, any particular indication of, of Tesla's, you know, business deteriorating permanently or anything like that, I don't think. Yeah. Um, but it is, uh, yeah, that's fascinating to see because Tesla has been, other automakers have been, you know, struggling and, and, and Tesla has just continued to post these insane growth numbers. So, it was a, mm. it, it, often you see with growing businesses, even through a recession, they'll continue to grow just because they're still in that growth kind of curve. It, they'll slow down, but they will continue to grow. Um, mm. So, that's also an interesting aspect to kind of see with Tesla, how they, how that plays out over the year. Do they actually see an, a decline in their overall business over the year or uh, are they able to still scratch out some growth but not the 50% per year that that um, Musk is, you know, hoping for over the next couple of years? Um, it'd be interesting to see. Hmm. Um, and interestingly, this um, delivery slump, if you can call it that, uh, is because of the exact same <coughs> reason why GM <laughs> suffered is because of China, because they note uh, in a small paragraph alongside this delivery release, uh, it says, interestingly, uh, oh no, it says, that's what I just said. <laughs> it says, in the second quarter, we produced over 258,000 vehicles and delivered over 254,000 vehicles, despite ongoing supply chain challenges and factory shutdowns beyond our control. However, June 2022 was the highest vehicle production month in Tesla's history. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So, there you go. Two two kind of factors at play. But yes, definitely the number one thing that caused the drop off is, well, supply chain, which is kind of just China. Um, and also uh, the fact that their Shanghai plant was literally like shut down. Um, So, according to – I did a little bit of digging. According to the China Passenger Car Association, Tesla delivered just 34,000 cars in April and May combined. Uh, And then in June alone, delivered 78,000 cars. Wow. So, quite a discrepancy when you have – when you run run your factory for two two months – you make 34,000 deliveries and then you run it for one month and you make 78,000. <laughs> you can see where the, the discrepancies come from. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Wow. Interesting yeah. stuff. Wasn't um, um, I saw something about Cybertruck. Did I, did I make that up in my head? Did, did I, I thought there was um, – I thought I saw an article about Cybertruck um, – doing some kind uh, of event or cyber sales. Cybertruck's getting there. They, they've locked in the design now for the Cybertruck, so that's set. Okay. And uh, the rest of this year, they'll just be um, just chipping away at making that uh, production facility or that that section of production facility in uh, over at the uh, Texas Gigafactory. Mm. But uh, I think recently they said Cybertruck's not going to be for like 12 months. Right, so, okay. so I think we should expect, expect the Cybertrucks to start coming out around the middle of next year. Um, okay. But yeah. But yeah, if if you wanted a Cybertruck, you're going to be waiting a long time at this point. I think they've got over a million pre-orders, so that's right. It's going yeah. to be. <laughs> yeah, Elon said a lot. Uh, he said a couple of times in the past that they've got like three to four years worth of backlog of production. Wow. So if you're ordering one now, you better be ready to wait. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> 
Um, Crazy stuff. Wow. Okay. That's actually really fascinating that their June month was was so high though. So, they've really just seen maybe a supply yeah. shock and it's not a huge... Well, I guess it's just one month of June. So, we'll, we'll kind of see how it plays out. But yeah. um, certainly, it they've seems like the demand two, is there. Two gigafactories are coming online at the same time, which helps. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just certainly seems like the demand is at least still pushing, you know, on the yeah. strong side for for Tesla, which is um, yeah. which is a positive thing. Hmm. I think there's uh, there's some interesting dynamics at play for the affordability of Teslas, and I think one of the main factors is the fact that fuel prices are so high. Yeah. So it actually the fact that you don't really ever have to service Teslas, hmm. and the fact that you also have to pay absolutely peanuts to keep it running because you're running it off electricity. Um, are two very compelling factors, which I think are going to keep the demand fairly high. Um, yeah, that for, is that's really interesting. Cars. Yeah, so they do have this kind of offsetting um, effect yeah. uh, that other automakers certainly don't have during this period. Um, mm. It's yeah. interesting. They've, there's when you when you th- and I think I've said this before. When you think about electric vehicles, if you compare like a te- like a Model Three, a Tesla Model Three, to like a comparable uh, like a Toyota Camry or something, if you look over the life of the vehicle, which is say I don't know, 15, 17 years or something like that, what what people classify the life of the vehicle, um, the Tesla ends up being quite a bit cheaper, like every time. Wow. But the problem with the the, the dynamic the, or the cost profile is that if you buy an electric car, you have to pay a lot more money at the start because the purchase price is higher. Once you've got over the hurdle of the purchase price, then the ongoing costs are way lower. Yeah. Whereas with an internal combustion engine car, it's the complete opposite dynamic. The entry price is much lower because they're cheaper, mm. but then you have to pay a lot more to keep them going. Yeah. To okay. keep like servicing, petrol, that kind of thing. So mm. it's just two different... Uh, two different ways to think about it. And that's what, like, every, everybody's like, oh, you know, eh. all the electric vehicle community is just like, eh, you should be driving a Tesla. But I'm like, Gee, you, you guys, you can't say that. Like, <laughs> there are people out there that would love to be driving Teslas, yeah. but they can't jump the uh, they can't jump the hurdle of initial affordability. Yeah. So, yeah, and I guess that, on that respect, it would be getting more expensive because a lot of people would finance a Tesla and financing is obviously getting more expensive. So, the yeah. it, it, even if you think of it in that respect of not an upfront cost, but um, what the payments are likely to be, then uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's still, you know, it can be quite expensive. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting stuff. All right. Yeah, that's Tesla. Um, it seems as though uh, China is getting back online in the auto industry, interesting. At least. Okay, um, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Very interesting kind of case study of watching uh, China do these lockdowns and then seeing, you know, a couple months later when we get the Q two results and whatnot. Mm. This is the actual business dynamic of what happened. Yeah. Um, How- anyway, let's move along, shall we? Yeah. To, um, we- you want to talk about uh, I- uh, Apple? Apple. Yeah. What's going on with Apple? Yeah, I saw this. I th- thought this was quite interesting. It's nothing um, nothing that's going to change the stock or anything like that, um, change the business. But Apple is introducing- To a pair. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> to what? To pair. <laughs> to pair. <laughs> yeah. We are now banana. Uh, oh, my God. That would be ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, that would be absolutely ridiculous. Apple introduces lockdown mode to protect iPhones from state-sponsored hacking. Wow, okay. Pretty interesting. Uh, Apple announced a new feature for iPhones called Lockdown Mode on Wednesday to protect high-profile users such as politicians and activists against state-sponsored hackers. Lockdown Mode turns off several features on the iPhone in order to make it less vulnerable to spyware by significantly reducing the number of features that attackers can access and potentially hack. Specifically, it disables many preview features in iMessage. Uh, It limits JavaScript on the Safari browser, prevents new configuration profiles from being installed, blocks uh, wired connections, therefore preventing the device's data from being copied, and shuts down incoming Apple service requests, including FaceTime. Interesting. So, there you go. I mean, a very small sample size, I think, of uh, of iPhone users that will need to yeah. use this. And it sounds like it's going to be 
inconvenient to use it. Yeah. Because it sounds like it's going to restrict some functionality on your phone. Yeah. Um, that other people will have full access to. But, yeah. I mean, maybe if you're an Elon Musk or, I don't know, Ariana Grande or someone or like a Joe Biden, who knows, yeah. the, maybe you want- uh, you want to be sure or you want to, to do everything possible to limit the possibility of being hacked somehow. Yeah. Well, just think about the sheer amount of people who would be trying to hack into accounts for, for and, mm. and phones for those kinds of people. Um, it would just be just by the number of people who are viewing who are engaging with their content or whatever, there, there's just bound to be a large number of people who are going to do that, um, whether state-sponsored or not. Um, so, it makes sense. I mean, it makes sense that this feature would exist um, mm. because there's just so many ways that your phone, like, kind of emits data um, and kind of connects with the world. It it makes sense. Yeah. There's so many data points that it makes sense if that you could have something that just kind of puts up the puts up the walls and, and and turns it into a bit of a dumber phone. <laughs> mm. um, but here's here's um here's my PSA on the matter, right? Hmm. If you're a if you're a good at uh, you know coding, hacking, whatever it might be out there, uh, the tech giant Apple will pay up to two million dollars to researchers who find a security flaw in lockdown mode. That's pretty so, cool. There you go. So hack However, away. I did, yeah. So uh, that's something that I did. I did think like obviously this is good if you're a white hat hacker. They actually have like they're, they're very valuable yes. people to have because they find vulnerabilities and tell companies about them um, so that they don't get hacked. <laughs> they're like they're like good guy hackers. Um, but yeah, it's like. Do you really want to be encouraging people to uh, to hack your new <laughs> your new thing that's supposed to be for high profile people that's trying to make them be hacked less? <laughs> yeah, you can imagine a hacker but, does this and gets in, and then they're like, "Oh, wait do i do I tell Apple and get two million dollars, or do I tell yeah. this company, this dark yeah. web company, that's going to give me a hundred million dollars? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or do I leak Elon Musk's, I don't yeah. know, whatever he's up to? <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is more fun. Or do I, yeah, do nah, I just, just blackmail the <laughs> blackmail, uh, yeah. Elon Musk and get a billion dollars? Elon, I'll make this simple. Put me at the front of the Cybertruck line and I won't release your data. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there you go. So if you're good at hacking, go and hack uh, lockdown <laughs> mode and get two million bucks. There you go. <laughs> Actually, uh, Tesla do this occasionally as well at like hacking conferences. They offer like Teslas as prizes for teams that can hack the cars. Wow. Um, and then they just patch the vulnerabilities and then it's like, yeah, great. So every year the, the, the competition gets progressively harder to win Yeah, because there's less vulnerabilities. But there you go. Yeah, interesting. I, I know absolutely nothing about hacking or any of that stuff. Oh, I know nothing either. It's, a, yeah. it's very, it, it's a, it is a fascinating um, kind of, I don't know, just avenue um, that that exists now yeah. in, this, in this tech world. How do you get into hacking? How do you get into it? I don't know. It's like, I guess you just mess around uh, with like simple stuff and then yeah. get gets more complicated, but. But it's like uh, if you say, "Oh, I'm I'm like uh, I have a strong interest in hacking." <laughs> it's like, <laughs> are you like a shady dude? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, do, do I do I want do I want to know you? <laughs> Just like you meet someone at a party, yeah. you're like, "Oh yeah, you know, I, I I'm like a expert hacker." I'm like, okay, well, it's nice to meet you. Uh, I'll catch it later. Yeah, I rob grocery stores, but I'm one of the good guys. I, I rob them and then I go back and say, look, this is how I did it. I, I tell them how I robbed them and then I give the groceries back. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, nice guy. Uh, anyway, what else have I got to talk about here? Um, the announcement ca- comes months after revelations that state-sponsored hackers had the ability to hack recent iPhones uh, with zero-click attacks distributed through text messages. These hacks can be successful even if the victim doesn't click on a link that's kind of scary yeah there was a um there was a, a guy went on joe rogan and, and spoke about all of those kind of protocols and and tools that that uh, apparently governments have access to and some of them are absolutely terrifying they're real they're, right. they're they can send they used to have to send a text message and you had to click on a link that's what a lot of basic hackers and scammers use 
uh, and then it transformed into one where they could send you a text message and you would receive an alert, but you didn't have to click anything and the hack right. would be installed in your phone. Now, you ha- there's, there's one where you, there's no alert. Nothing is alerted to you. Um, and if you turn off your device, which is what people often do, if you get hacked, you can turn off your device to kind of lock it on the phone so, it's, so you can, uh, I, I guess, hand it into somebody and they can check what's on the phone. Uh, there's, there's one where if, even if you turn off your phone, it just deletes every trace of it the moment that you turn off your phone. So. Wow. <laughs> so there's some, yeah, the, the, I, I can't remember the name of the person, but I'm sure if you look up um, hacking and Joe Rogan, you'll be able to find the episode. And it is just kind of draw or dropping uh, what kind of technology is actually available. So there, there is a, there's clearly a, a, a purpose for, for this kind of um, software. So. Right. There yeah. you go. Um, lockdown mode will not be on by default, but can be turned on from inside the iPhone settings with a single tap. Apple said it will also be available for iPads and Macs. The new feature will be available for testing on a beta version of iOS this week before its planned release, wide release in the fall. So that's interesting. There you go. There you go. Um, it's there if you want it. Yeah. Don't get hacked, guys. <laughs> don't get hacked. <laughs> change, yes. change your passwords. Cyber, <laughs> cybersecurity. Um, how much time we got? I've actually not looked at it. Oh, we still got, got time. a little Perfect. while. Yeah. Uh, um, I've got a, yeah, just a little update on uh, my favorite stock in the world. I'll, um, I'll give a little bit of an update around GameStop, um, which has, of course, been- Oh, I thought you were going to say, that, what's that deli stock? Oh, um. Oh, I can't, I can't remember, remember what that's Hometown called, International. Home, hometown. That's right. <laughs> Let's have a look. Let's, you know what, for all time's sake. Hometown. <laughs> while we're here. Well, uh, while we're on the topic, let's see if it's still functioning. Um, <laughs> I, okay, the stock is, it's been delisted. Um, Has it? Oh, okay. I think so, because I can't. Found, it's on the. It's been thrown in Wait, jail. was it already on the OTC over the counter markets? I think it was, right? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I can't remember. Maybe it was already on the over the counter markets. I'm trying to find a stock price for it, but it was I, worth hundred mil. It was worth a hundred mil. Yes, that's right. Um, what what was it like? It was one just one singular New York deli. Yeah, one, New one deli. yeah one one New Jersey deli, and um, this it was just like one director who was also yeah. the wrestling coach the re- of the school <laughs> next coach door. Of the school. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, that was classic. Yeah, oh, I, so funny. I think you can't find it. It might th- might have been delisted. Says this says eight million shares and it's ten dollars a share, so I think it's eighty million in market cap, but it's got zero yeah. volume. So, I, oh, okay. I can't, I can't even see a chart. But uh, look, the yeah. guy's probably in jail at this point. Yeah, he was um, something or other. Yeah, well, he was issuing stock just and and he was paying dividends to himself. Like that's, uh, I feel like that's just securities fraud. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's pretty funny. Uh, Anyway, I guess, I guess we got to talk about then your second. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. My second biggest holding uh, after hometown international (laughs) (laughs) Um, GameStop. Uh, So um, yeah. um, GameStop's always a colorful uh, company. That's, that's uh, all stock. That's got a lot going on. Is Um, it ever? Yeah, they're making big moves uh, f- that are going to drive mm-hmm. value in the underlying business, I believe. Um, they did a four-to-one gold stock. Miner? For- no, no, um, not no? a gold miner. They haven't caught on to that quite yet. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they haven't, they, haven't, they haven't gone AMC's route yet, but they did a four-to-one stock split, um, which means really nothing. But uh, the, if the stock is, is around the price it is now, which is $127 per share, um, then after the split, the stock will be... $32 per share and there will be four times as many shares available. So nothing to the value of the overall business changes. If you have one share, you will be given a dividend of three additional shares. So you will have four shares. Uh, and it's as if they've taken your piece of the pie, piece of the pizza, and cut it into four pieces. Um, so instead of having one piece um, that you have four of an equal size overall. Um Yep. So naturally, with no increase in the value of the business, no changes to the underlying business, its profitability, uh, just a simple cosmetic change to w- what the price of a share How they is. Display their shares. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you would expect nothing less in GameStop than a nine percent after-hours increase in its <laughs> in its stock price, which is what it did. So the stock's up nine percent, um, which is yep. an interesting 
reaction. Um, I tweeted, I tweeted, um, this is obviously efficient market hypothesis, you know, in action. Um, I saw that tweet. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously. Um, yeah. Clearly, GameStop, the business, is definitely 9% more valuable correct. because of this. Yes. And, you know, and under that logic, I have actually petitioned the management team to continue to split. What? Yeah. Each four to one split is a 9% increase in value. And you can, exactly. you run the maths. It doesn't take long for that to, <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not going to take long for you to get to a double or a triple. And, you know, that's just checkmate. So, I, I've I've sent I've I've sent a message to investor relations and I've I've asked them to why stop at four? Let's do a four thousand to one stock split, um, and give Imagine the investors that, what they like, want. GameStop has like eighty trillion shares outstanding <laughs> or something. <laughs> Oh gosh, that would be so funny. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Naturally. I mean, your reasoning <coughs> makes sense. You split the stock four to one, goes up nine percent. So why not split it more? Yeah, it's called pattern recognition, Brandon. Okay. <laughs> if they split the stock, <laughs> they split the stock four to one, and it goes up nine percent, it's going to happen again. So they just need to rinse Absolutely. and repeat. Um, no. So as I mentioned, completely cosmetic. Um, there's really two main effects that this has, which are actually you know they have some utility. One is it can make the shares more accessible to smaller investors, but at $100 a share, it was already pretty accessible, let's be honest. It's a different story. If you have an Amazon at 2000 um, you know, getting it down to 200 which I think they did a 10 to 1 stock split or something recently, then makes a little bit more sense. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I was just going to say, um, even that hypothesis these days is getting weaker and weaker because so many brokers just do fractional share trading. Yeah. So and because that was that was the problem. Like Amazon's at three thousand, and you have these, you know, uh, mum and dad investors or whatever you call them that want to buy in, but they don't want to sink three thousand. So a lot of the brokers were like, "Oh, is there a way we can we can get them in or allow them a way to get in?" So they use our brokerage service, and they came up with this fractional share trading systems to to do exactly that. So yeah, now basically fractional share trading is on every broker out there. So it's like. Yeah, you have a one cent portfolio. You can invest. You can probably yeah, invest like, in something. Like actually, <laughs> but it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, but you're right. That's, when when you, there is an argument that it is makes it more accessible. Yeah, and then the other utility is is not for really outside investors for inter, the internal business um, companies that give stock based compensation to employees below the executive level, where maybe they're getting a thousand dollars a year in bonuses in stock or something like that. You they can be more nimble. If the share price, if, if, imagine the share price is fifteen hundred, and they've got to pay a thousand dollars, approximately a thousand dollars in stock-based comp to at a, a lower-level employee, they can only give them either nothing and let it accrue, or give them one yeah. share worth more than they wanted to pay. Um, whereas if it's fifty dollars a share, they can just easily do exactly the amount that they want. So that's yep. kind of the the other internal benefit for the business. That's probably the most utility that comes out of a stock split in in reality. Um, mm. But yeah, there you go. Um, yep. I, I, That's ridiculous. Interesting change. Uh, I am still every day, uh, well, not every day. I'm, I'm not that obsessive, but every now and then I check GameStop stock price and I just cannot believe it is still over $100 a share. Um, it's kind it's of ridiculous. Yeah. And it's also ridiculous that beyond just the GameStop stuff, just in general, stock splits these days, why is it that stock splits make stocks go up? Like that is legitimately a trend of the last couple of years. It's like a company does a massive stock split, immediately their stock goes up by like 5 or 10%. It's just like, what the hell? This is is stupid. It doesn't make no sense. Yeah. There you go. Uh, There you go. Oh, I want to can I talk about my fun story now? Oh, yes. I would love to see this. I really want to see this. Economy passengers could soon lie down on aeroplanes. Meet the airline that's doing it first. Guess what airline it is. This is my favourite airline. Uh, is it Australian airline or international? No, it's not. International? international. I don't know. Um, sounds like a gimmick. So it's probably something like uh, American Airlines or something like that. Oh, no. no. <laughs> I hope it's not. It's, it's uh, Air New Zealand. Oh, Air New okay. Zealand. I all, I've never had a bl- bad flight with Air They're New Zealand. They're a good airline. They're a good airline. So good. 
Yeah. So good. Um, anyway, it says here, economy flights practically guarantee a stiff neck, a child kicking the back of your seat and competition with your seat mate to claim the middle seat's armrest. Damn, isn't that just correct? Yeah. I got, I got, um, uh, I got, I got stuck with the middle seat between Brandon and Tom on a, what, 14 hour flight. So, um, with no armrests. Yeah. So, uh, you <laughs> know. Yeah. So yeah, I've, uh, man, I was surprised at how much we were able to sleep on that flight. I definitely surprised we slept myself. So much. Yeah, I, I think just yeah. sitting and doing nothing, I was just bored. So I was just like, I just want this to be over. I just <laughs> yeah, just fall asleep. Yeah, you'd read like half a chapter of your book and fall asleep. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, anyway, uh, one airline wants to cure these traveling ailments. Air New Zealand recently announced the world's first lie flat pods for economy class airplanes, aeroplanes, set to debut in 2024. The concept called Sky Nest has been in research and development for five years and will likely feature two rows of three stacked bunk beds for a total of six full-length sleeping pods for the whole plane. <laughs> so, do you, so like, uh, yeah, do, do, do you book a seat and you get one or do you share them? Like, do people- No, nah, I think I think that the, the title was a little bit deceptive in this article because <laughs> I okay. think it's like available for economy passengers, but you have to pay a fair premium extra. Yeah, you, you, can, you can spread out your legs at the small cost of a business class seat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly right. Um, so there's a total of six full-length sleeping pods. The beds will be installed on Boeing 787-9 Dreamliners and will exist in addition to regular seating sections. Okay. But the pods, which will include uh, cooling pillows and ventilation outlets, likely won't come cheap. Prices have yet to be announced, but any New Zealand says four hours of access to a sleep pod will cost an extra fee on top of your economy ticket. Right. Um, and this is this is where it gets interesting. So I'll keep reading. The airline did a fair bit of research around sleep cycles and Air New Zealand spokesperson told CNN Travel last week, actually this is a few weeks back, um, uh, a typical sleep cycle is around 90 minutes. So a four-hour session gives the opportunity for customers to wind down, fall asleep and wake up again. The bedding will be changed and the pods will be cleaned for 30 minutes in between every session, according to the airline. Uh, When Air New Zealand initially announced the concept in 2020, transportation analyst uh, Seth Kaplan, not Seth Klarman, Seth Kaplan, (laughs) told CNBC he was sceptical that economy passengers would jump in line to try it. People who are paying the lowest possible rate for a ticket probably aren't interested in ticket add-ons, especially when the pods will occupy much of uh, each plane's already limited space. Mm. Quote, the airline business, and this is an interesting way to think about it, which I never really think about. The airline business is a real estate business, Kaplan said. Air New Zealand will have to ask itself if those beds will bring in more money than economy or premium seats in the same space. Yes. And once I heard about that, I said, you know what? I completely agree. And that's why I think that this will last for maybe six months and then we'll be scrapped. Yeah, it, it would be interesting. It's, it is an interesting business. Um, there's a great video. I can't remember who, who made it on YouTube talking about the, the economics of, of airlines and how they make much more money from the business class segment and the, uh, and the first class, even though there's far less seats. Um, they're making, I think it was the business class was equally as much as on average as, as the economy section where there's far more seats, obviously in economy. So it is an interesting dynamic and yeah, you would have to, you would have to see, yeah, how much space do they take up? How much additional? And if they're targeting it towards economy passengers, you can't imagine they're going to be able to charge a huge amount more, which is what they can do in business and and first class to get that, you know, make, make up for the, the fact that there's less seats, um, so, yeah. That's exactly the thing. They they're gonna have to price. So with business, you can lay your seat it de- out. And it, depends. it depends. It depends on what okay. air, what airline it is. Yeah. But you would imagine. So they have to hit with their pricing. It has to be between economy and business, because they you know. Yes. There has to be, otherwise business is like redundant. You yes. just get an economy sleep, seat when you want to go yeah, for a sleep. Why would you want to have an economy seat plus have to go and sleep in a pod where you could just have a nice business seat where you just a recline it? Yeah. Yeah. 
Or if they get the pricing wrong in the other direction, why would you need a business class seat when you can just sit in economy when you need to sleep, you go to one of these pods. So it has to come in between those two. Mm. And you're right, beds, even if it's stacked three stacked bunk beds, they do take up a fair bit of space. So you have to, I just can't see how this will be, I mean, they're they're operating in such a a narrow (laughs) um, uh, price area yeah that I, I don't know if it will actually turn out to be profitable yeah for i don't them. know i guess we'll have to see it is an expensive yeah. test because they obviously have to fit the airline with the bunks yeah and if it doesn't work do th- i don't uh, reckon this will be on many aircraft no i reckon it'll be a trial they'll just trial it but even still uh, yeah i guess i guess that it's in the, in the scheme of a business it's not going to be that much of an expensive trial but yeah, it would be interesting to see. Um, I would imagine there'd be people, as you said, the first six months, people would probably love to try this just for as a gimmicky. I'd give it a go. Yeah, I'd almost give it a go too just to try it. But if that's going to be an indication of the long-term success of it, I, I don't know. Um, mm. It is interesting, the airline business, how it's just all add-ons, add-ons, add-ons. Like how can they... <laughs> one extra yeah. kilo of uh, baggage? Well, that's $100 if you check it at the airport like <laughs> it's yeah, uh yeah. It, it's just all about those additional fees that they can kind of squeeze out of you especially on domestic flights where they're trying to keep the cost of the ticket low uh it's like oh 80 ticket oh but if you have a bag it's extra 40 dollars. oh you want a coffee yeah. that's six bucks even though it's out of a tin pot <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah. um, um so, yeah. interesting mm. interesting uh yeah i wonder if it'll be i i do you think it'll be successful yes or no i don't think so no, no, I, I don't think I, so I don't, either. I, I don't think, I don't think they'll be able to charge enough to make up for the 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 space. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, they must be confident because other like they would have been. They know this. They would have been running the numbers in their head. Yeah. So clearly, they've got a they've got a price range and a case to be made. So hopefully, it works. Because I mean, that'd be great. I would love it if I could just get an economy class ticket, and on a long flight, I can go for a snooze. Yeah, would love it. Absolutely. Or even if I don't sleep, even if I can just lie flat and just like chill out on my phone or listen to a podcast yeah. for four hours. That's that'd the, be great. That's the most uncomfortable thing about taking an economy ticket flight is just uh, not being Sitting able to- in the same spot, can't move. Just yeah. not being able to sleep properly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pain in the ass. All right. Uh, that is all the news for today. Yes. So let's-, let's, with that said, let's move on to some Q&A. A. So, yes. uh, can I ask you this question, Hamish? Uh, sure. Um, interested in your Netflix buy. Uh, my impression is the streaming market is saturated and quite competitive and Netflix has lost their moat. Mm. Uh, have you talked about why you own in another episode? Yeah, I don't- So, uh, Hamish, without- uh, I'm going to put a time limit on you. You've got like two, two, three minutes. Okay, I'll look. I'll f- okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I don't think I have. I, I just want to say I, I don't think I have spoken about it. We've spoken about streaming a lot. Uh, I, I just I don't. I really don't want to convince people to do what I'm doing. I really don't. I like yeah, teaching yeah, people yeah. why I think the way I think and how you can apply that to businesses. But I don't want to. I don't want to convince people. Um, but I, I think with Netflix, I think you need to split. Think about it in two different markets. One is the US market, and you could even also segment UK. Uh, outside of smaller international markets where there's different foreign languages spoken in a lot of different markets. You kind of have to think of it as two different businesses. In the US, yes, it's very competitive and that's kind of the face of Netflix. Um, but uh, they also have the highest spend um, that people spend on, on on media. It's very, very high. And Netflix has by far the best churn rate, retention rate uh, and engagement Um in the US. They're also the only profit uh, streaming company that's actually profitable from streaming, um, which is kind of crazy since they have over 200 million subscribers. So the fact that they only just got profitable shows there's a significant element of scale economics that op- happens in, in uh, streaming. Uh, and the other thing that's interesting is all of the other media companies that are not profitable, uh, they're, they're funding their streaming service endeavors with revenue streams that are getting cannibalized for streaming. So they're in this kind of sweet spot where they've, they've got revenue coming in from streaming services, but they're not profitable. They're only profitable because of the affiliate fees that they're receiving from cable companies and advertising they're running on cable and broadcast networks. Revenue streams that will be going away. So it is an interesting, that's a counter positioning argument, which you can look up in Seven Powers. It's a great book by um, Hamilton Helmer. Um, 
talks about counter positioning. And then you can think about international markets where there's basically no competition. Uh, Disney is making a lot of content in India, but outside of that, Netflix is really the only company on a big media scale that is making a lot of original content in areas like Japan and uh, Korea uh, and in Latin America, some of these areas where there's a lot of people willing to spend money on content. So, yeah, I think that's how you have to think about it. But that's kind of my overview. How did I, I think I did? Yeah. I think I went over my two minutes. So, <laughs> no, no, that was good. That was good. A nice, concise, um, kind of yeah, nice, concise. Uh, I mean, the, summary of the only thing. It, it's impossible things to think about. It's impossible to put an analysis into two minutes. So that's like yeah. that's like a second. There's like some points to look into. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, Netflix should get into uh, using the volume. Have you seen that? That's what Disney's using to keep the cost of their shows lower. The the volume? Where they explain? Yeah, yeah. It's where they set up it's like a set and the set's surrounded by screens. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I've it's seen not that. blue screen or green screen. Mm. It's surrounded by like high like yes. monitors. Yes. And um and what they do is that they've got these uh set designs that they put mm. up on these screens and it's a big like computer program with the camera yes. as well. And when the camera gets moved or pans or whatever, the screen behind changes accordingly so that the so that it looks like they're in a real location and that, that screen, that set is actually like yeah. you know, hundred, two hundred, three hundred meters off in the distance. Really smart technology that There's, John Favreau's worked on. There has a lot. been some amazing technological advancement in mm. in the media space and the cost of production, especially with CGI now. Uh, yep. is far lower uh, for the quality that they can get um, out mm. of the, the content that they produce. It's it's actually yep. incredible. So, yeah. So, a lot of the if, – if you guys have watched, like, the some of the Star Wars Disney Plus shows, like The Mandalorian or The Book of Boba Fett uh, or Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, a lot of those uh, locations locations uh, were just in a studio. Yeah. Believe it or so not. So, they don't have to go to – yeah, they don't have to go to Tunisia anymore or anything like that. It's pretty ri- ridiculous. Yeah, they, they don't actually film on on other planets. Um, believe it or not, they used to do that <laughs> yeah. back. If you look, yeah. if you watch the old, but it's like yeah, <laughs> no, okay. no, but, but like, no, no, yeah, no. Tatooine, <laughs> Tatooine, Tunisia is Tatooine for people that don't know, and they haven't gone back to Tunisia. They just recreated it in the volume, and it's good enough that yeah, they can just get away with it. But anyway, um, very interesting. Uh, do we, should, should we do one more? Yeah. Um, uh, which one do you want me to go to? Which one of these two? Oh, I just got the first one. This one. Have you seen Chinese Elon Musk? Oh, I was talking about the first one up higher. Oh. Up, but yes. <laughs> no, ask me that one anyway. Uh, yeah. Ha- have you seen Chinese? Oh, wait. Which one do you want? Both. Both? Oh, you want? So, I'll give you the- Okay. I'll give you the, the first one then. The funny one. The, the funny one. <laughs> which one? This yeah. one. Oh. Have you seen yeah. Chinese Elon Musk? He also owns a Tesla. Yes, I have. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, okay, I, it, there's not actually a Chinese Elon Musk. Let's be clear. That is definite. That is a hundred percent a deep fake. That's that's that, right. That is not, <laughs> yes, that be- it is a hundred Don't be fooled. That is definitely a deep fake. <laughs> However, having said that, it is still hilarious. Yeah. It, <laughs> uh, yeah. I saw some people like questioning whether it was a deep fake. I, I for sure that has to be a deep fake because that would just be hundred. That would be a ridiculous doppelganger. If that was not deep fake. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's definitely uh, deep fake. You can tell. If you look close enough, you can tell when he moves and how his face doesn't quite keep up with the rest of his head. Yeah, you can definitely tell it's yeah. deep fake. Okay, but, um, let me l- let me give you a more serious um, question. Okay. Um, hi, guys. Loving the podcast. Listening here in Marabella in Spain. Uh, question, what podcast do you guys listen to? Uh, not just investing, but also lifestyle and general interest. Um, I, I actually... I don't... I'm a bit naughty. I don't really listen to all that many investing-related podcasts. I like to listen to the Phil Town one, Invested. I listen to Tom. Tom's got his podcast, um, but he doesn't put – he's not like a weekly podcast or anything. But uh, like he's interviewed people like Guy Spear in the past, so they're really good value episodes on Tom's podcast. Um, but apart from that, like my podcasts, I listen to more for entertainment. Yeah, me too. So they're just – Really? Yeah. So, all of the podcasts I listen to are just aligned with my interests. So, because I have a Model 3, so I listen to uh, Ride the Lightning by Ryan McCaffrey, which is a Tesla podcast. Um, I am big into Formula One at the moment. So, I listen to WTF1 and The Race. Uh, I'm into video games, so uh, Xbox gaming more specifically. So, I listen to Podcast Unlocked, which is another Ryan McCaffrey podcast. 
Uh, I listen to Waveform, which is Marquez Brownlee's podcast, tech tech podcast. And they're the main ones that are on my kind of regular rotation. Mm. Occasionally, I'll chuck on The Economist does like five-minute daily briefings, which is kind of handy. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Kind of a, a economy news, but yeah. What, what about you? What yeah, are your podcasts? I, or, I or, or, I don't know, forms of entertainment that you I, like to watch? I occasionally will listen to um, the Investors Podcast Network has a lot of good finance-related um, yep. podcasts and, and sub kind of podcast and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I'm mostly, I, I do listen to a lot of Joe Rogan. He has interesting people on. Um, not, mm. I definitely don't agree with I need everything. To get more into Joe Rogan. Yeah. I mean, some episodes can go quite political and I don't, uh, you know, sometimes, oh, obviously a lot of the time I don't agree with, with what is kind of being said, but I, I'm kind of the person I love just taking in and understanding why people think certain things. Um, yeah. especially popular views that I disagree with. Uh, it, it's just fascinating because obviously a lot of people believe these things one way or the other and have strong opinions. So, like, why? Like, let, let me understand, like, on, on a human level, why? So, I like listening to that. Uh, Lex Fridman does uh, great uh, mm. interviews, kind of a similar lane, I guess, a lot of politics and, and, and philosophy and, and economics. Um, and then a fun one, Tim Dillon, is a, he has a great comedy podcast, which is just absolutely hilarious. So, I'd, hi- right, I'd okay. highly recommend. <laughs> I have to check that out. Um, oh, did you see uh, recently Joe Rogan came out and said that he's been asked multiple times, Donald Trump has asked to come on his podcast and he's turned him down? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, because- uh, But fair enough. Well, his philosophy is that he wants to- he knows that Trump's going to come on with his facade and just just to promote his his campaign. Um, yeah. Whereas Joe would want to actually ask him, you know, tough questions, and he would want to see a real Donald Trump, and he doesn't think he would get that. Whereas with other people, right. it's like a public figure, and he can talk to them and just get, you know, behind the curtain in a way. Because people often have like a public persona and how they actually mm. feel, and he tries to get behind that. He doesn't think he can do that with Donald Trump, and that's probably fairly accurate i think um yeah i don't think i don't think he would let the guard down and you know admit that he's made mistakes which he clearly has and you know mm. yeah so no very true very true mm. uh all right is that it that's it thanks everyone for tuning in as always of course if you have questions head over to the youtube version uh of the podcast and uh feel free to leave your questions as a comment below the latest episode and we'll try to get to as many as possible each week uh thanks to ShareSite, as always sharesite.com forward slash young investors uh you can sign up to a free account or a paid account and get four months off a yearly subscription thanks brandon for joining me as always hope everyone has a great rest of your week and uh we'll see you guys next week Catch you later.